Amen. You may be seated. Let's take God's word together this evening and turn to the New Testament book of John, John chapter 10. And this is a passage that we looked at together over the last couple of days in the Netherlands. And Friday night, I preached from the subject, I am the door. And then Saturday morning, an instructional word for the believer from the same passage. And tonight, I want to share some of those truths with you in a little bit of a different way. John chapter 10, please. We'll begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll read together down to verse number 10. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, just before the book of Acts, beginning in chapter 10, verse number 1. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, most assuredly, John is one of the four authors of the gospel records, and he is known for this statement, most assuredly. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers." This parable spake Jesus unto them. But they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Let's pray together and ask God to speak to every heart this evening. I want you to pray for your own heart that God would help you to hear the word and to receive it and to obey it. Let's pray together. Our Father, we gather now around thy word, the central part of this meeting place, the central part of this meeting is here as we open up the eternal word which we believe to be thy holy word. And this evening we ask of thee, God, speak through thy word and by thy spirit. We pray that thy spirit would carry the words to our hearts and minds, that they would not be permitted to go in one ear and out the other. We ask of thee, Lord, to send thy spirit to make our hearts ready to receive this word, that the seed may fall on good ground and prove to bring forth fruit that would remain. We ask of thee, Lord, use this sermon, this message in the heart of some listener tonight. For we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Jesus tells us twice, I am the door. And really the question tonight is very simple. Would you look this way? Have you entered in? 
Tonight you came in one of probably one of two doors to this tent, one being there to my left and one being at the back. But there is only one door into salvation, and that door is Jesus Christ himself. Have you entered in to salvation? There are many dangers outside of salvation. Did you know that? There are many dangers outside of the fold of Jesus Christ. Christ sums them up in a few different words here. In the first verse of this parable, he speaks very clearly and plainly, in fact, very bluntly, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. Would you look this way? Paxson, sit down. A thief and a robber. There are thieves outside of the fold of Christ. There are robbers outside of the kingdom. He goes on and tells us in verse number five, and a stranger will they not follow. Outside of the fold of Jesus Christ are thieves and robbers and strangers. What's the big deal? I'm, I'm, I can look after myself. Thank you very much. The Bible says in verse number 10, Jesus says the thief has come with a purpose. Outside of Christ, outside of the Savior, the world is full of thieves and robbers and strangers who've come with a purpose. And their purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The thieves and robbers come, really all three of those things, steal, kill, and destroy, pertain unto taking something. They're thieves. They've come to take your, your life from you, to kill you. They've come to steal, to take everything good that you have. When a thief breaks into a house to rob a house, their intention is to take every valuable possession in that house. Would you look this way? There is an evil in the world that is seeking to steal every valuable thing in your life tonight and to destroy you. A thief is not content. These kind of thieves that are outside of the kingdom of Christ are not content to steal every good thing you have or to take your life, but they want to take your hope. They've come to destroy you. The thief has three primary means by which he takes these three things we spoke of. The thief has three, three main allies outside of the fold of Christ. Tonight, by the way, if you're lost, you are being pushed and shoved and bounced from one thief and one robber to the next. And as long as you be outside of Christ, the longer you be outside of Christ, the more that is stolen from you, the more life is choked from you, the more that... You are destroyed and decimated. That's the work of Satan. And the thief uses three things to do that. He uses the world, the flesh, and the devil, the forces of darkness. The world, the system of the world, and all the allurements that draw us away from Christ. Anything that can be used in this world to try to draw you away from that which is good, to try to take you away from the things of, of eternal worth and value. Every single time that you choose between God and something of this world, you can be sure that a thief is present. 
Every time something is put in front of your face that makes you try to, to have to decide on whether you'll stand for Christ or keep a little quiet. Every time you have to choose between something in this world or something that pertains to heavenly things, you know a thief is there. Always at work. The world, the thief uses the world to steal from you. The thief uses the world to choke one more day of life from you. The thief uses the world to destroy your hopes. He uses the world to, to, to make you imagine something is good and it's alluring, it's tempting, it looks so very good, but the moment you take the bait, a little bit more of your future and hope is lost. He uses the flesh. Outside of Christ, outside of the fold, the thief uses your flesh, the inner passions and the inner desires of your inner man, those things that are natural to you. The thief uses all of those things to steal and to kill and to destroy. Oh, a thief is very clever. A thief will use the, the, the natural passions of your own heart and mind to gain interest, entrance into your mind and your heart. A thief and a robber is always looking for a way in. A thief is always looking for a point of entry. If they can just get in, they can rob you of everything good. And that's exactly what Satan is doing. He'll use the world to get into you. He'll use your own flesh to get in. And he'll use the forces of darkness. He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Come to steal every bit of joy. Satan is working, the thief is working to steal joy from you, to take your peace so that you're always worried and you're always concerned and, and if he can take your peace away from you and so you're nervous and anxious about the future and what's going to happen, if he can steal love from you so that you're filled with hatred towards one another and that bitterness crawls into your very soul, he does that stealing love from you. The love of many will grow cold, the scriptures say in the last days. He steals your time, and he wants to steal your family. Always oh, laboring and working. The thief is working to steal everything precious to you. And if you're not careful when you're not even paying attention, he'll be stealing those things from you. And you'll wake up one day and ask yourself, how did I lose all of this? The thief kills. He comes, he comes the one day at a time squeeze life from you to, to kill you one day at a time by robbing you of really living, of keeping his foot on your throat so that you can't really live and putting his foot on your chest so you can't really breathe. You come to destroy. He wants to burn everything to the ground so that you have no hope of anything better. But... Jesus calls tonight. The good shepherd calls tonight and he says, I, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. Saved from the thief and the robber and the stranger. Saved from being killed by your, the own lust of your own heart's desire. Saved from being decimated. Save from all of these things if you just enter in. 
It's amazing. The Lord Jesus rescues us from ourselves. He rescues us from our own sin. He rescues us from the wrath to come if we enter in. Saved from the stranger who's come to steal, kill, and to destroy. How does he save us? Think about it. Think about that picture of being brought into a sheepfold. A very vivid picture. He saves us because we're brought into the safety of the flock. The safety of the fold. And there's only one way in. There may be three flaps to this tent, three doors of this tent, but there's only one way into the safe fold of Christ. And that one way is Jesus. Now they tell me, listen to this, they tell me that in those days a sheep pin would be constructed, but there'd be no door. In fact, the only door to a sheep pen would be the shepherd himself who would lay down in that narrow gap so that the sheep could not get out and so that nothing evil could get into the sheep. He literally was the door. Every night he'd bring the sheep into the pen, into the fold, and he'd lay his own body down in the entrance of that pen so that no sheep would be lost and that no evil could get in. What a thought. Jesus is the door. We are brought into the safety of the fold through Jesus Christ, and we are protected by Jesus Christ. It's amazing when you think about how the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus came to take back what the enemy stole. By the way, he's a stronger man than the thief. He's a stronger man than the robber. He has no problem wrestling back out of the gnarly fingers of Satan that which belongs to him. He's come to recover the souls of men. He's come to deal with death. Some who lived all their lives so frightened of death and the consequences of death. The Lord Jesus was recorded for us by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass this saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're delivered, saved. Jesus Christ came to rescue us, to redeem us. He came to deal with the enemy of death, and he came to give hope. Hope to the hopeless. I couldn't help but think of this this morning when we read Isaiah 61, those beautiful verses that would be fulfilled, or some of the prophecy fulfilled in the first coming of Christ, and the rest of it will be fulfilled when he returns again. The Lord Jesus came, as you know. He was anointed to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, 
to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified, and they shall build the old waste places. They shall raise up the former desolations. Remember the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. The Lord Jesus came to build up the old waste places, to raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Only Christ can do that. Only Christ can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Amazing. As we look at John chapter 10, Christ helps us to see that when you enter in, by faith, when you turn from your sins, this morning we spoke much and emphasized much the need of repentance and mourning and grieving over your sin. But when that takes place and you are brought into Christ, into the sheepfold, you receive so much. Outside of Christ, we lost everything. Inside of Christ, we gain everything. We gain everything we lost and so much more. And just a few of those things we find in God's Word in this, this little passage of John chapter 10, we were brought into salvation, number one. I mentioned that a moment ago. We've been saved, rescued from the robbers and the thieves from our own selves. Amazing. Oh, what glorious salvation we've been given. But look what else we've been brought into. Jesus tells us in, in our text, in verse number 9, I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved. That's the first thing you were brought into, salvation. And look at the next thing. He shall be saved and shall go in and out. When you by faith enter into Christ Jesus, enter into the free gift of salvation, you have salvation and you've been brought into liberty. The thief came to steal, to kill you, to destroy you, to lock you in chains and bondage. Jesus Christ came to set you free. He came to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim liberty to the captives. He came to open the prison doors. Those whose lives and souls have been kept in shackles and chains, the chains of, of sin and the shackles of a bondage by Satan himself, you've been set free. When you walk in by faith through Jesus Christ into salvation, into the family of God, your chains fall off. We sing sometimes that beautiful song that written by Charles Wesley, my chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. That's what happens. Some of you tonight are still in chains. You're still in bondage. And you've been trying all your life, trying to figure out how to get out of this bondage, how to get out of this, these addictions, and how to get out of these things that have troubled your soul. And there's only one way to get out of those chains. That's by coming into Christ. We have liberty. That little expression, Jesus said, if any man come, come to me, if any man enter in, he shall go in and out. Look at it. He shall be saved and shall go in and out. That expression is an expression of liberty. You can go in and out as you please. You are free. You're no longer bound to one place and one habit. You're no longer bound in the very depths of despair. You've been set free. You have liberty. 
And I'm reminded many years ago, I heard the illustration, the great Houdini, maybe you know the name before, he's known for all of his exploits of getting out of any chains and any prison door. No one could ever bind him. He was an expert. So they brought him to Alcatraz, the inescapable, impenetrable prison, famous off the coast of California, one that could not be escaped. They locked him in one of these prison cells that could never be escaped from. They put the great Houdini in there and they gave him a certain amount of seconds, I think 60 seconds, to try to escape. The prison door was shut. The clock began to tick and Houdini began feverishly to pick the lock. He worked and worked and worked. The time was ticking away second after second after second, down to 10 seconds, and sweat was rolling down his brow. Five seconds, four, three, two, one. And he sat back defeated couldn't believe it he couldn't understand how he how he could he could pick anything any lock he would wrap wrap him in chains and locks and put him in the ocean he could still get out but how could he not unlock this one the prison guard walked up with a smile on his face laid hands on the door and simply slid it open it was unlocked the whole time now we laugh but how often do we live that way We've entered in by faith into Christ Jesus. We've felt the burden and weight of our sin. And we came to the Savior and felt the sin lifted, the burden lifted. We've entered in, but yet we're still huddling in a corner somewhere, like we're still in chains. We know we've been set free, but yet we're living like we're still a prisoner. We can go in and out. We've been set free. We have liberty in Christ, but we're living like we're chained up, locked away. But you've been set free. You're free. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I want you to turn to a few scriptures with me, please, that speak very much about this. We already read Isaiah 61 verse 1, that he, Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives. But another, another expression is given in Luke chapter 4. It tells us that he's come to give deliverance to the captives and to set at liberty the bruised. Look at that expression. Luke chapter 4, very precious. In verse number 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Remember, blessed are the poor in spirit. That's who the gospel is directed towards. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The thief and the robber is not content just to steal your life and all good things from your life. He wants to break you. And so many people before they come to Christ have experienced what it is to be broken by this world, by life, by circumstances, by their own sin. But free, fear not and fret not because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And he came, look what it says, to preach or to declare deliverance to the captives. He came to your prison cell in the darkest hour of your life and he whispered in your ear, you're free. You're free. The recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. Have you been bruised and battered and broken by the thieves of this world? Jesus came to set you free. He came to open the prison door for you. You are free. You're no longer a bondage, in bondage. You're no longer a slave. You're free. Marvelous it is. 
John chapter 8, Jesus speaks these famous words, speaking to people who were in bondage and didn't know it. One of the worst things in the world is when somebody is enslaved to their sin and their passions and they don't even know it. That's most of the world. But oh, how wonderful it is when God reveals to them their chains. And they begin to feel the weight of those chains and the consequences of those chains. And that they begin to see the darkness of the cell that they've been enclosed in all their life. And Jesus comes and speaks such truth. The Lord Jesus says in, in John chapter 8 and verse number 31, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus sets you free by the truth of his word. Truth is only conveyed by words. If I had a truth I wanted to share with you tonight, I couldn't get it to you unless I spoke it, wrote it down, sent an email. I couldn't, I couldn't give it to you through telepathy. I couldn't try to say, and get my thought, my truth from me to you. Truth is conveyed by words. And the only thing that sets you free are the true words. Thy word is truth. The life-giving words of Jesus can set a man free. They argue with Jesus. We've never been in any bondage. Jesus explained to them that they were servants of sin. And he says in verse 35, the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. And if the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Amen. Truly free. Look, if you've come in by Jesus Christ into the fold, you're free, truly free. Not partially free, not halfway free, fully, truly free. And believe me, when you know you're free, you know you're free. And nobody can put the chains back on you. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, he sets us free by his word, by the truth of his word, but also in Romans chapter 8, you can't ignore this excellent truth. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. Set free by the, by the word of God, by the truth of God, and by the spirit of God. Both must be present. The spirit of God enlightening our eyes to the truth of God. This is how he sets us free. Have you been set free? It's amazing how we've been called. I won't, I won't labor, belabor this point too long this evening, but it's amazing how we've been called to liberty. All our lives we lived in bondage. And the law, the law of God, which is good, actually made us recognize, the, Paul said it's like a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. But the law didn't set us free. It couldn't set us free. The law only revealed to us our chains. The law only showed us how lost and destitute we were. The law was not given to set you free. It was given to show you your chains. And by faith, when we enter into Jesus Christ, we are truly set free. Paul writes of this in Galatians. Let me read a few verses for you in this book of Galatians. We meant this, we are meaning to study this together. The men who will be praying and fasting beginning from tomorrow will be studying the book of, of Galatians. But in Galatians chapter four, Paul speaks about how you're either a child of the bondwoman or a child of the free. You can't be both. The Bible tells us in, in chapter four, in verse number 28, now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. 
Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. You're either a child of the law or you're a child of the Spirit of God, which gives grace to such a free. Can't be both. You can't be both. And Paul urges these believers at Galatia who were being pressed by these Judaizers trying to put them back under the law. Paul urges them, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. We've been set free. It's amazing to be free in Christ. It's amazing to be brought into the fold of, of God, the fold of Christ, uh, under the care of the good shepherd and to be set free. It's amazing. But we're not free to sin. Paul makes it abundantly clear in Romans chapter 6. We've not been free to, to sin, set free to sin. Chapter 6 verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants are ye to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being then made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. That's us. Free. Set free. Free to serve. Peter writes, we've been set free to serve. Paul writes in Ephesians that we were set free to do the good works that glorify God the Father. When you enter in by Christ, you enter into salvation full and free. But look what else it tells us. We enter into salvation, we enter into liberty, and we enter into pasture. The Bible says very clearly, look, if, if you enter in, he, he shall be saved, he shall go in and out, have liberty, and he shall find pasture. Would you look here for a moment? The thief came to steal, to steal anything that would bring nourishment to your soul. The thief came to rob you of any good thing. And Jesus brings you in to restore that health that was stolen. He brings you in to nurture you, to raise you, to make you as fat as possible, spiritually speaking. He brings you in to feed your soul with the rich blessings and drippings from heaven itself. It's amazing. You remember the parable found in, in the book of Luke about about the supper, the great supper that was prepared and the invitations went out, come. And the invitation said this, come for all things are now ready. And tonight the invitation is the same. Come because all things are now ready. Enter in through Christ into the sheepfold because everything's ready. Green pastures are waiting for you. You've been starving your whole life. Your soul is shriveling up as we speak tonight. But if you enter in by faith, you shall find pastures for your soul. Jesus is pictured and foretold in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Lush pastures. You've been pushing your nose through the dirt and filth of this earth, trying to find one morsel for your soul, and the world doesn't care for you. And Jesus gently leads you out of the desert and into the lush green grass of his pasture, where he feeds your soul. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
He'll make you lie down in that green pasture. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. I love this because Jesus says very plainly that you shall be saved, shall go in and out, and you shall find pasture. The reason you find pasture is because we have a good shepherd that leads you there. Don't you worry. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. We have no need to look on the other side of the fence because the grass is never greener on that side of the fence as long as you be in Christ. In fact, there is no grass on the other side of the fence. But there's lush green pastures to where the Savior has led us. And oh, his word is that green pasture. We can graze amongst the words of Scripture. Thy word is sweeter than honey and honeycomb, the Scriptures say. How sweet is thy word unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey. Amazing. Oh, how good is our Savior. And there's one last little thing I want you to see. When you by faith enter in, you're, you're saved from the thieves and the robbers and the strangers outside, saved from yourself. You're brought into liberty. You're brought into green pastures. But you're also, the Scriptures say in verse number 10, I am come that they might have life. Do you know what you're brought into? Look here. When you enter in to Jesus Christ, into the fold of God, you enter into life. Did you know you were dead? Before Jesus, you were dead. You, hath he quickened, who were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. When you by faith enter into the to, through the door of Jesus Christ, your spirit is quickened, made alive. You actually experience life. Before Jesus, you're not alive. You're not living. You're a dead man walking. You're on your way to damnation and condemnation. But the second you walk in, you're made alive. Oh, how amazingly is have you, have you ever Have you ever been awakened by God? And you ever thought, where have I been? How could I not see this? And, and you began to look that old, that beautiful hymn. I don't know the words, but it talks about how uh, the, the sky and it was a deeper hue. The colors were much more vibrant. Heaven above is softer blue. Earth beneath, sweeter green. The thing that Christless eyes have never seen. When you by faith enter in, your eyes are opened because you're alive. He breathes life into your ears so you begin to hear the voice of the shepherd calling your name. You begin to hear the shepherd saying, don't go there. You hear the shepherd saying, go here. You see what you've never seen before and hear what you've never heard before and you feel what you've never felt before because you're alive. I hath not seen Ear hath not heard, and neither entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him and wait for him. It's amazing. You're alive. I am come that they might have life. And he gives us some last little treat. You've been brought in to the family of God that you might be brought into salvation, and you've been brought into liberty, and you've been brought into sustenance through green pastures, and you've been brought into life, and not just life but abundant life. 
He says, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Can I tell you the Christian life is the abundant life. It's a life that's far above anything you've ever known before. Anything you've ever dreamed of. The Christian life is the abundant life. And sometimes we know the Savior, but we're not living in the abundant life. There is so much, much more. The Old Testament story of the man who spent a hundred talents on some mercenaries to help him, help him defeat a certain army. And the prophet said, look, don't worry about that. God's going to do it his way. And the, and the man said, but what about the 100 talents? The prophet answered, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. We come into Christ and we think about the things we've left behind. We think about perhaps the money that, we've, that we may lose because we're following Jesus. Or we, or we think about perhaps the friends we may lose because we follow Jesus. And maybe even the family that we may lose and the job opportunities and the fun that we may lose and we hear the Savior say, the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. Verily, verily, Jesus say, I say unto you that there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, in this life, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children in lands with, with persecutions and in the world to come eternal life. Do you know what happens when you enter in by faith into Christ? You get abundant life. When you leave all to follow the Savior, we experienced this just, just two nights ago. Two nights ago, they had at least five or six houses, new houses given to us. Do you know that? Oh, my name's not on the title, but they did tell me that my house is your house. My name isn't on the title, but I do know that if I show up in the Netherlands, I have a, a host of homes I could walk into and say, would it be okay if I slept here tonight? And I wouldn't just have a bed, but I'd have a breakfast in the morning and a warm conversation about Jesus at night around the fire because I've been given abundant life. Abundant life. And all the things you leave behind... Houses, brethren, sisters, father, mother, wives. Look, look around you tonight. Look around you, please. I had one earthly brother growing up. Tonight, look at this. A hundred brothers and sisters. No woman on earth could, could give birth to a hundred brothers and sisters, but my heavenly Father's given us thousands. Brothers and sisters. And we meet them all over the world, travel literally on the other side of the world to a little tiny island used to be, used to be overrun by cannibals and headhunters. And I meet my brothers and sisters. We've got a house there. In fact, they told me, anytime you want to come, this house is yours. I have a house in New Zealand. I'm starting to sound like one of these prosperity preachers. <laughs> house in New Zealand, a house in Zimbabwe, houses in, in the Netherlands, everywhere I go. Because I have abundant life. And it isn't about earthly possessions and bank accounts and cars. It's about riches in Christ. Brothers and sisters in the Savior. What an amazing truth. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Think about it for a moment. If you were to look at a man, look at a young person today and think, that person has a lot of life. Have you, have you ever said that about somebody? That person's full of life. That person really has, a, you might say, abundant life. When you look at it in the physical sense, think about it for a second. When you look at somebody through the eyes of the flesh and you say, that person's living life to the fullest. 
You might mean something like this. Well, that person has a lot of energy. That person has a lot of endurance. They keep going and going and going and they're really, really living. Or they've got a large sphere of life. Boy, they're just into everything and going everywhere. We look physically and they've got the ability to do a lot of things. Look, they're really living. I wish I could live like that. But if you take all of that spiritually, that's what you have in Christ. In Christ, you have abundance of life. You have endurance to go through trial after trial and difficulty after difficulty because you have abundant life. You don't just have life. You're not just barely living through this world. You're just not barely getting past your trials and difficulties. You're conquering them. You're victorious over them. When trials and difficulties come your way, they roll under your toes because you have abundant life, endurance, Energy, divine heavenly energy to face the wicked one. You have ability to do things you could never do before. Jesus said, you think this is great. You shall do greater things, he said, in Christ. And somebody with abundant life has an overflow of joy. An overflow of joy. Jesus told us he came to give us his joy and that our joy would be full we read in the Psalms, in thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's abundant life. And if you get caught up, if you get caught up with the rubbish of this world, if you let your eyes be dazzled with the, with the, with the glittering things of this world, you are robbing yourself of abundant life. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. Cars and houses and jewelry and jobs and promotions all along being distracted from the true riches that are found in Christ. The abundance of life found in the Savior. Don't let yourself be distracted. He's come to give us so much. When you enter in by faith, you receive all these things and so much more. Have you entered in? Some of you tonight are still outside of Christ. And the invitation is this, come. Jesus is still the door. Jesus Christ, the Lord, is still the door. And I believe the door, some would say, well, the door is only open to crack. And I would say the door is wide open tonight. And whosoever will may enter in. Would you come? Would you come? Christian, I would not be content just to step over the threshold. If I were you, I would not be content just to barely to squeeze in. Go find yourself a spot in the deepest, luscious grass of his pasture and lay down for a little bit there and feast on the riches he offers you tonight. Enjoy the liberty that's in Christ, a liberty to serve him. If you're not serving Christ, then you're not really free. You're serving someone else. Liberty in Christ. To know the riches of abundant life. There's so much. We probably ought to look at that a little bit more. There's so much about the abundant life that we've never tasted yet. We've never seen yet. Would you come to him? Christian, enjoy what he's given you. Do you know what pleases God the most? When you are pleased with him. 
you know what glorifies God the most? When you and I are pleased with Christ. When we are satisfied with the Savior. Nothing glorifies God the most than when we enter into Christ and enter into the abundant life. When we say, take my money, take my all that I own, take it all because I have Christ. If I have Jesus, Jesus only, we sing sometimes. I wish we had the words on, on this page, but we don't. If I have Jesus, Jesus only, then my sky would have a gem. He's the star of brightest splendor and the star of Bethlehem. Do you have him? Enter in and begin to experience what you have in the Savior. Bow your heads with me, please, and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, it is our privilege to be accepted into the Beloved. It is our privilege to be found in Christ. It is our privilege to receive power that we might be called the sons of God to go in and out in the liberty found in Christ, to feast on the pastures he's prepared for us, and to enjoy the abundant life with Christ our Lord and Savior. Oh Lord, help us to taste it now. Help us not to think that's something that's coming in the future. But help us to bask in the riches of Christ now, today. We thank you for Christ our Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.